Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Pasadena Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to start here tonight and just share some simple things with you. I've had people come up to me before and say, you make it so simple. And I said, that's because I'm so simple. You know what? If it's complicated, I don't get it. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that are beyond my ability to understand, but I believe that the gospel really is simple. It's not that hard. I want to share some simple things with you here in Ephesians chapter 4. And let's start with verse 26. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. I bet most of you have heard this verse before. I've heard people teach on this before. And what they'll say is that God knows that we're just human and that we are going to make mistakes and that we get angry. And so, you know, God will allow you to be angry, but just make sure you get it confessed every night before you go to bed. Has anybody ever heard it ministered that way? That was a question. There wasn't very many hands go up. How many of you have heard it ministered that way? All right, that's better. You just weren't responding. That's not what this is talking about. This is not God giving permission for anger as long as the sun is up. But if the sun is down, then it's, it, you, it, you can't get angry. That's not what this is talking about. You can make some points out of that. It may be good to make sure that you don't let anger go for days or for weeks, but that's not what this verse is talking about. You know what this verse is saying? Be angry and sin not. There is a godly type of anger. There is a righteous anger. And you are supposed to be angry. The scripture says that the beginning of wisdom is to hate evil. You have to hate evil. God gave you a capacity for anger. And the sad thing is, we only use it towards people in a selfish type of way. But everybody was created with a temper. You have a temper, and it is meant to be used in a godly way. You are commanded right here to be angry Without sinning, there is a righteous type of anger. And when it says, let not the sun go down on your wrath, what that's talking about is don't ever let it become passive. Don't ever let your anger cool off. Don't ever let it go to bed. Keep it alive and wake. Don't let the sun go down on it. Man, keep yourself stirred up. And the next verse says, neither give place to the devil. If you aren't angry at sin and at sickness, and at disease, and everything that Satan is wanting to do, then you are giving place to the devil. That is awesome. That's revolutionary right there. And most people don't see this. One of the things that I see in people, probably as much as anything else, is just a passiveness. They're just passive. They come and they want healing, they're begging, they're pleading, but they don't have any anger. I've talked, I had three women come into my office separately in one day and all three of them had cancer. 
And I ministered some of these same things to them. And I told them, I said, cancer is not a big deal. I have seen hundreds, maybe thousands of people healed of cancer. You heard this testimony about Kurt, a man who was given less than 24 hours to live. And yet when he says, I want to live, and he stirred himself up, his wife showed me a picture of this cancer. They had a picture on her cell phone and it was black and terrible looking. And they said right in front of their eyes, they saw that tumor just melt and dissolve. And he's totally healed. Cancer is not a big deal. Cancer isn't hard. It is not hard to be healed of cancer if you resist it. It says in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. It is not passive. When you're saying, oh God, please heal me, that's not resisting the devil. I had a guy one time that I was telling, you need to rebuke the devil. I said, I want you to talk to the devil. And so he says, okay. And he goes, dear devil. <laughs> thought, man, this is not it. That's not the way you talk to the devil. You don't say, Mr. Devil, dear devil, would you please leave? Man, you need to get angry. You need to stir yourself up. You know, Smith Wigglesworth was a, a great man of God, and he, he was standing at a bus stop in England, and he was waiting on the bus, and there was a woman there with her little poodle, and this, this was an elderly lady and she was telling her poodle, now go home, the bus is gonna come, go home. And she was just talking real sweet to this poodle and this poodle just sat there and w wiggled his tail and just stood there and she kept saying, go home, go home. And then here comes the bus around the corner and she says, here comes the bus, now go home, go home. And the poodle just wagged its tail and finally the bus just pulled right up in front of him and she stomped her foot and said, get home. And that, that poodle just boom was gone. And he says, that's the way you got to be with the devil. And there's some, uh, some people saying, dear devil, please leave me alone. <laughs> you know what? God gave you a capacity for anger and it's intended to be used towards the devil, not towards people. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood but against principalities, powers. You shouldn't be angry at people. People aren't your problem. Satan uses people. It's demonic stuff that we're wrestling with. I'm not telling you to be angry at people. I'm not giving you a justification for being angry at your spouse, amen. But I am saying that you ought to get angry at the devil. You need to recognize it's the devil who's making you sick. God's not the one that makes you sick. It's the devil who's made you poor. You ought to hate poverty. You ought to hate sickness and hate disease. You need to stir yourself up or you're gonna settle to the bottom. And this is where most Christians are. They aren't angry. I'm angry. I am angry at the devil. Satan is destroying people's lives. I talked to a bunch of people back there tonight who it's just pitiful. I have people come to me and I just want to tell them sometimes, why did you let this happen? And people look at me like, well, I didn't have a thing to do with this. You did. Your passiveness has allowed the devil just to run roughshod over you. Again, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If the devil isn't fleeing from you, it's because you aren't resisting. 
And you may be saying, oh, I am. I really want to be here. I really want to be different. You may be praying. You may be begging. You may be desiring, but you aren't resisting the devil. The word resist means to actively fight against. And you know, one of the reasons that people aren't stronger in this area and that they don't fight the devil is because they don't know who they are and they don't know what God has given them. They actually see the devil. They see sickness as being bigger than them. That's not true, brothers and sisters. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. You know, that's a quotation. Let me turn over here and read this to you out of Isaiah chapter 54. And of course, for those of you who are mathematically inclined, Isaiah chapter 54 follows Isaiah 53, which it talks about Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter and all of these things. So this is the benefit or the results of what Jesus purchased for us. And it says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. This is talking to us. This is about the New Testament believer. It was prophesying the new covenant that you and I live in. And it says no weapon formed against you will prosper. None of them. None of them. Not cancer. Not AIDS. Not anything. No weapon. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And then it, in the next phrase it says, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment thou shalt condemn. Did you know it links, uh, I believe, words to weapons. Words are weapons. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. The tongue can either release life or death. Words are weapons. Man, I could spend all night talking about this. The average Christian doesn't understand this and we sit and listen to words that are killing us. We listen to the doctor's report. We listen to all of this stuff. You watch stuff. You listen to stuff that is just polluting us. It's the sewage of this world. And the average Christian is plugged into the same stuff that the unbelievers are and then wonder why they get the same results. Words are powerful. And if somebody says, oh, well, I'm just strong, it doesn't bother me to watch all of the homosexual stuff on television, lying, stealing, killing, murder. I can handle it. 1 Corinthians 15, says, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. If you think, well, I can listen to all this stuff and it doesn't bother me, you're deceived. Was that too subtle? Anybody miss that? You may disagree with me and you're welcome to your opinion. You can, you can disagree if you want to, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm telling you, evil communications corrupt good manners. If you are listening to words, it's killing you. Words are weapons. And most people just allow people to say whatever. They allow the doctor to confess over you that you're going to die. And I want to tell people, why do you let them say that about you? And most people... Doctor, it's the doctor that said that. Well, look what Jesus said. To me, what Jesus said is more important than what the doctor said. 
Don't forget where I'm going about talking about words or weapons. So bring me back to that in case I get off. But here, I want to give you this illustration that a few years back, my board made me go get a physical so that I could uh, get insurance on the building that we had and stuff. So anyway, they sent me to this doctor to get a physical. And I went to this doctor and I witnessed to him and the uh, nurse and they were gonna do one of these treadmill tests on me. And I was telling them about my son being raised from the dead. Man, their eyes were just big. He was dead for five hours, stripped naked in a morgue with a toe tag on. And we prayed and he came back to life and he's now healthy and whole. And I got a granddaughter that was born after that. And I was telling him about my son being raised from the dead and they were just listening and they wanted to shave my chest and put these things on my chest. And I said, this is virgin hair. It's never been touched. I said, you can't shave my chest. So anyway, they decided to put these things on my chest without shaving it. And as a result, when I was 12 minutes into the um, test, I started sweating and these things started falling off. So I was holding two of them and a nurse was holding two and the doctor was holding two. And I was running and stuff. And, and anyway, after this test was over, the doctor got to looking through it and you know, we were just talking and all of a sudden at the 12 minute and something mark, he just stopped and he got to grunting and looking at this. And then he took something out and he wrote this down and he says, this is the name of another doctor and I want you to go over and you'd get tested and says, we may have to put you in the hospital and you may have open heart surgery before the day's over. And I just sat there for a second trying to process this. And then I, I said, that's a lie. <laughs> and I guess this doctor wasn't used to people telling him that's a lie. I don't know, but he just was shocked. Like, what did you say? And I said, that's a lie. I said, there's nothing wrong with my heart. I said, I reject this. <laughs> and he just looked at me and I said, you look at that piece of paper and tell me that that says I've got a serious heart problem. He says, you are off just one, thousand, one hundredth or one thousandth of a, a deal in one spot. He says, you could be perfectly healthy, but I think we ought to go get it checked out. And I said, that's not what you told me. You told me I could have a serious heart problem. I said, you lied to me and I got mad at this guy. <laughs> and I said, you lied to me. I said, you, and, and man, this guy just crumpled up that piece of paper and threw it away and he says, leave. And he flunked me on the test. I couldn't get the insurance. And so I've got a doctor who's on my board in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I went down and they did these nuclear stress tests and put you on the treadmill and did it. And they said I had a 17 year old's heart. There was nothing wrong with my heart and there's no problem. And he told me, he said, did you know that those treadmill tests that they give you, they're wrong 50% of the time. He says, never accept one of those treadmill tests. I bet you there's people right in here that have had a doctor tell you something and you just drink the Kool-Aid, whatever they say, you just go along with it. I'm telling you, you need to get to a place to where God and what God says about you is more important than what the doctor says, than what the lawyer says, than what the news says, than what your friend says. Some of you say, I'd never do that. Obviously. 
I've got a guy that's staying at our lodge right now that I've been ministering to. He's in the last stages of death if God doesn't do a miracle and the treatments are killing him. I prayed with two people back here tonight that it's the doctors and treatments that are killing them. I'm not against doctors. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If it wasn't for doctors, all the Christians would have been dead because they hadn't been believing God. So I'm not against doctors, but I'm saying they aren't God. And you need to recognize that man, death and life are in the power of the words. And instead of just letting some unbeliever speak things over you and tell you all, I mean, they'll even write it on their signs, family medical practice. They're just practicing. They don't know what they're doing. They'll give you a pill and they'll say, go take this pill and see if that works. And if that doesn't work, come back and we'll give you another pill. They don't know what they're doing. Man, you, you need to stand on the word of God. So here I am back to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue, words are weapons. And you need to recognize that anytime something comes against you that is contrary to God's word, it's a weapon. And what do you do with it? It says no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You have to condemn those words. You have to stand against these negative things and negative thoughts. You know, I try not to watch television. The only thing I try and watch on television is my program. <laughs> but the way I get my news primarily is driving in the car, I'll listen to the news at the top of the hour because it's only a two minute deal. And I figure in two minutes is, <laughs> you know, if we're at war, you'll find out about it if it's really big and they can do minimal damage. But even then, they will just say these terrible things. They'll say it's flu season. They're expecting the worst flu in decades or whatever. You know what? Those are weapons. That's how the devil comes at you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Unbelief comes by hearing anything contrary to the word of God. Every word that you hear, every word, it didn't say there's life and death and a whole lot of stuff that's just normal and it doesn't matter. Every word you hear is either life or death. It's either building you up and promoting spiritual growth or it's tearing you down. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the vast majority of us let the sewage of the world just flow through your minds and then wonder why you're struggling. You need to take charge. You need to get angry. And so I'll be listening to these news broadcasts and they'll say it's flu season and you, you can ask my wife. I'll sit there and say, not for me. In the name of Jesus, I don't get the flu. I don't believe in the flu. I was talking to my pastor of my church and he had just had the flu and he says, man, I've been sick. And he says, have you had the flu yet? And I said, no, I don't get the flu. I don't believe in the flu. And he didn't know how to respond. So he just kind of let it go. And then the other pastors later on says, what did you say? And I said, I don't believe in getting sick. It's been 46, I just don't get sick. The only time I've been sick in 46 years is because I just did something stupid. Like one time I ministered 41 times in one week and 40 times the next week. And I was so tired, I literally had to crawl and get in bed, I couldn't walk. And I laid in bed for nearly 24 hours and I felt good after that. So I went out and split a cord of wood and I did too much too quick and I got sick for two or three days just because I was totally exhausted. But I don't believe in getting sick. I don't get sick. 
I know some of you, well, I don't, but that's the reason you get sick is because you accept it. You think that, well, you, you can't live that way. Well, don't wake me up because this is how I'm living. Amen. I hate sickness. Man, if, you know, when my wife and I got married, she's the kind that if she gets sick and if she feels bad, she'll stick her finger down her throat to throw up and get it over with. Not me. I told her I don't throw up. And one time in our 42 years of marriage, I've thrown up. And that was not long after we got married. And I, after she saw what I do, she says, no wonder you don't throw up. I'm one of these, man, I'll roll on the floor and hug the toilet. And it's just pitiful. <laughs> so you know what? I don't throw up. If I start feeling like I've got an upset stomach, I mean, I'll pray in tongues. I'll fight like it's cancer. I just don't get sick. I don't have headaches. I hadn't had, head, I hadn't had a headache in probably 50 years. I don't believe in getting sick. And some of you think, well, that just can't work that way. It does work that way. I'm telling you, if you got to where you hated sickness, instead of when you feel bad, instead of laying in bed and popping pills and letting your wife rub your fevered brow and, put you, and take up and actually you know, have a great day and stuff, you ought to act like it's the plague. There are many of you that just accept sickness. Now, you're going to reject cancer if it's something that's deadly, but you know what? You'll accept aches and pains, and after all, you're over 40, and it's just normal to have some pains and stuff, and you accept it, and because of it, you don't hate sickness. You know, I, I hate... I, I don't even know why I got off on all of this. I'm going to blame it on God. <laughs> I hope it's godly, man, man. Some of you will think I'm crazy, but you know, I, I hate sickness as much as I hate adultery, as much as I hate homosexuality. I wouldn't be sick any more than I'd commit adultery. Some of you, I can't believe you say that. That's the reason you get sick is because it's something that you may not want. You may say, oh God, please heal me, but you don't fight it. I'm telling you, you get angry. You get to where you hate sickness. I am not going to be sick. I will not be sick. Jesus bore my sin and my sickness and he paid for this and I am not going to let him bear it and me bear it too. There is no reason for both of us to bear it. If he became sick for me, why am I sick? There's no reason for it. I don't have to be that way. And I hate sickness as much as I hate adultery, as much as I hate lying and stealing and homosexuality. I don't hate homosexuals, but I hate homosexuality. It's destroying people's lives. It's ungodly. I hate it. I hate sickness. I hate having a headache. I don't get headaches. I don't do this stuff. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. Jesus paid for these things and bought all of this for us and we don't take advantage of it. Most of us are more influenced by our culture than we're influenced by God. And we just grew up with sickness being a part of life and you just get, you know, you have allergies. Every certain season you have allergies and you just do things and... Man, it's just weird. You know, one of the reasons Adam and Eve lived to be 960 years old is because they didn't know there was a flu season. 
They didn't know that when you were 40, you were over the hill. They didn't even start having children until they were hundreds of years old. One of the reasons that people lived so long was because it took a long time for Satan to teach people how to be sick and how to accept sickness and disease. They didn't know how to die. They, all they'd ever known was life. They didn't know all of this stuff. They didn't go having balloons, black balloons on their birthday party and confessing things and doing stuff like this. I'm telling you, you need to hate sickness. You need to hate poverty. You need to hate depression. I'm not gonna be depressed. I don't believe in being depressed. And I've had lots of depressing things happen to me. But I have a choice. The scripture says, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. God gave you the choice. The devil will tell you that you don't have any choice. You can't control whether you get sick. I don't have anything to do with that. That's a lie. You've got the choice, life or death. He gave you the choice. And then just in case you weren't real smart, he gave you the answer to this test. He says, choose life, amen. It's like, choose A, life, B, death. He's the answer, choose life. You can choose life. You can choose to live. You can choose to be joyful. You can choose to be happy. Nobody can make you angry without your consent and cooperation. Satan can't do anything to you without you agreeing. And I know that there's some people thinking, well, that's not true. I did not ask for this. I did not agree to have cancer. But what you did agree to is that you're only human, that you don't have any authority, that there's nothing you can do about it, that cancer is bigger than you, that it's incurable. You bought those lies and that is not true. That is not true. God gave you authority over your life. You can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And you did agree with the wrong teaching that countered that and that caused you to disbelieve it. And because of that, that's what made you susceptible to this. I'm telling you, you can do whatever God calls you to do, but you're gonna have to stir yourself up. You're gonna have to get to the place where you don't let your anger go to bed. You, you have to stir yourself up and say, I am not gonna be like everybody else. I'm not gonna sit here and confess that I'm only human. You know that Christian song, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Man, I hate that song. I hate it. It's got a catchy tune, but that'll kill you. I'm not only human. One third of me is wall to wall Holy Ghost. I got the power of God living on the inside of me. And I do not have to be defeated. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. Not sometimes, all of the time. But brothers and sisters, we have just, we have been lied to. We're deceived. Words are coming at us. They're weapons and we aren't condemning them. We're embracing them. We're letting this, this unbelief, these weapons come against us. Did you know back in 2008, they said that we had the Great Recession and they started talking about the economy and stuff. In Colorado Springs, there's nearly 200 parachurch ministries in Colorado Springs. 
And we know most of those ministries, most of those people, I've got friends that are on the board and stuff, so I know these things. And did you know in 2008, before the stock market really tanked and before all of these things happened, the vast majority, every ministry that I'm aware of started anticipating failure and started anticipating a decrease in their income. And they started cutting their income by 15, 20, 25% their expenses, their budget. They planned on failure. Did you know that the Lord spoke to me during that exact time when the bottom fell out of the stock market and the stock market went down 50%? That's when the Lord spoke to me about starting a $32 million building project and doing it debt-free, not taking out a loan. It was crazy. People were saying you can't, while everybody else was cutting their budgets, we increased our budget about 50%. And I didn't beg, I didn't plead. God told me to do this. It's not something I did and asked God to bless it. God told me, and you know what? It worked to my advantage. We looked at this piece of property, this property that you can see this picture taken from, 157 acres. It was selling for, uh, when Larry and I went and saw it, it was selling for $10.2 million. At one time, it had been above that. It has a $3 million lodge on it, two and a half to $3 million lodge on this property. And we looked at it, it was $10.2 million, and I loved it, but I thought, I don't want to spend $10.2 million on just ground. And uh, anyway, long story, but finally, during this recession, they came down to four million. I said, I'll take it, amen. <laughs> and I bought it for 25 cents on the dollar. While other people were talking about how bad the recession is, it was awesome for me. We got stuff at a $6 million discount. We built that building, we're now in it. It's debt-free, $32 million and all this paid for debt free. While everybody else is talking about how bad it is and they're cutting back, we had the largest expense we've ever had in our ministry. And you know, one of the reasons is because I was going by what God said. God said, do it now. I followed him and every time somebody told me you can't do it, I said, that's a lie. I condemned it. I threw those words down and I stood on what God's word says. And I'm trying to get across that I'm not special. It's not because I'm somebody special. It's the Word of God, and it'll work for anybody. We've got, a, we've got a guy, Lawson Purdue, that pastors the church next to our building. And when he was 14 years old, he came to one of my Bible studies and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a call to preach. And this guy's just an awesome guy. His church has done the exact same thing our ministry has done because he's got the same attitude. And he has prospered and he paid for his building debt free. And he's got millions of dollars in the bank while everybody else is struggling because the word works. And God said he would supply all of our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, not according to the United States economy. Every person in here, I know some of you are gonna feel like I'm condemning you. I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to get you to come up to a higher level and quit feeling like you're only human. Every person in here could have prospered during this recession more than you've ever prospered in your life. If you'd believe what the word says, that he supplies your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, while everybody else is selling things for a discount, this is a great time for believers to be buying. 
and you could prosper. Somebody says, but I've been out of work. God will supply your need. I've had, man, I could just go on and on and on about this, but I've had people that have been out of work for years. That We heard a testimony today of a guy, I can't remember all of the details, but what was it? He signed up for Bible school, been out of work for four years. He signed up for Bible school with no money, but he, this is what God told him to do. And so he just decided to do it. And that same day, he got a job. Was, who was that? Was that you, Chris? Who was it? Dave, right here. Is this man right here, out of work for four years, did what God told him to do and got a job the same day. I'm telling you, God is not limited to what's going on in this economy. He's not limited to what the people are saying. They came out with the avian flu or the bird flu. Do anybody remember all that? And they said it was going to be a pandemic. I was in Scotland when the leading, uh, what do they call it over there, the health care stuff. But anyway, the leading person for the British health care system, they were interviewing him and they said, is this something that's going to you know, mutate into something that humans can catch? And he said, oh, there is no doubt about it. He says, there's zero doubt that this is going to be a pandemic. It'll kill one third of the world's population. It's just a matter of how long it'll take. It might be one year or two years maximum, but one third of the world's population will die. That was back in what, 2002? And it was exactly one year later, I read in USA Today that there had been a total of 12 deaths worldwide from the avian flu. It was a lie. It was death. And some people think, well, he was just being cautious. No, he's just being carnal. He just, this is the way that the world is. They will overstate everything. They will say the worst case scenario. Did you know a doctor's not gonna tell you something that, hey, there's people that beat this, you know, and They'll sit there, if there's 90% of the people that'll live, they'll say 10% of the people who have this die. They aren't gonna tell you about the 90% that live. They're gonna give you the worst case scenario to cover their own backside. It's a liability issue. If they don't make you feel how terrible this thing is and you go ahead and die or something bad happens, you can sue the pants off of them. And so they're gonna tell you the worst case scenario. They'll say, don't get your hopes up. Man, that's exactly what you need to do is get your hopes up. You need to start hoping and believing God. I'm not against doctors or anybody in particular. I'm just saying that this world is full of unbelief and they're speaking lies and those are weapons. They're weapons and you have to condemn them. The moment you hear something contrary to the word of God, if you would condemn it and say no in the name of Jesus, I'm not having an open heart surgery today. I believe that test is a lie. I don't receive that. If you would do that, you know what? You'd, you'd be in health. But instead, we let these words come and take root. Words are like seeds. And if you let negative words be spoken over you, those things become seeds and they just germinate like that. My experience is that if somebody says something negative about me, about what I'm believing for, and if I'm trying to be polite, polite or whatever it is, and for whatever reason, I don't counter it, and I wait until I get home, and then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to try and cast down those high imagination and those things that have come contrary to the Word, 
by the time I get home, it's already taken root and it, I have to spend a lot of time getting that stuff out. But when somebody comes to me and just says something that's counter to what God's Word says about me, I'll, I'll condemn it right then. I'll say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm not accepting that. And some people think, well, I would never do that. Obviously. That's the reason you're getting what, You know, most of us are more afraid of men than we are of God. Most of us have a fear of men. And we do what people say. I'm telling you, you got to get tenacious about this. It says over in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is preaching. It suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Most people don't understand what that's talking about, but it's saying that you've got to get violent. You've got to have a resolve. You've got to get to a place where, praise God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm not going to live this way. As long as you're passive, that is a breeding ground for Satan and everything he wants to do. Again, this scripture that I've already quoted, James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is a pivotal scripture. You have to resist the devil. You have to fight the devil. You have to war against it. You can't just desire to have the things of God and be passive towards the devil. You got to stir yourself up and get angry and say, Jesus purchased redemption for me. I am not going to live like a lost man. You know, sadly, most Christians... If you were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict you. You're as sick as your neighbors that don't even believe in healing. You probably had a lot of the same things happen to you that happened to other people during the Great Recession. You had the same fears, the same phobias, the same problems. You panicked and did all of this stuff. I'm telling you, there ought to be a difference between a person who's believing God and a person who's not believing God. We're alive. They're dead. There ought to be a difference between an alive and a dead person. And yet many of us reflect the same results as people that don't even know God. Why is that? Because God has quit being God because God isn't God. You've heard all of these testimonies. Miracles are happening. God will do anything today that he's ever done. God has never changed. It's us that's changed. Our society is influencing us in a very negative way. It is an ungodly society. It is full of unbelief, and most of us are plugged into it. We pay big bucks to have it plugged into our house. We welcome all of the junk, all of the lies, the deception of this world. We let people say things like one-third of the world's population is going to die, and you don't even say anything. Man, when I said that, I got so mad, I stood up and I was yelling at the TV set. That's a lie in the name of Jesus. I reject it. I refuse it. You know, this movie came out, the Bible, last year or something like that. Jamie and I watched it on television, and I was just constantly saying, that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the way that it was. Finally, Jamie told me, he says, you either go in another room... Or shut up, we're going to watch this thing. We're either going to watch it or we aren't going to watch it. But man, I just can't listen to stuff that contradicts the Bible. And I wind up talking to it. I say things to it. 
Some of you think, well, that's weird. You know, Jesus talked to the fig tree. He talked to that fig tree in Mark chapter 11. And it says in verse 12, he answered the fig tree and said, that means the fig tree had been talking to him. Did you know things will talk to you? Your checkbook will tell you that, you know, prosperity doesn't work. Your billfold will tell you that you're broke. Anything that talks to you, any thought that comes to you through something, talk back to it. If your body says, man, you are sick, talk to it and say, body in the name of Jesus, I refuse this. I refuse to be sick. I'm not gonna be sick. I will not do this. I am not going there. Amen. I know many of you think, you can't live this way. Well, don't wake me up because this is how I'm living. And it's working. And people's lives are being changed. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what Jesus has done for us is greater than anything that you're facing. There is no reason. Let me rephrase that. There is no excuse for us being defeated the way we are. There are reasons. And they're because we basically believe what we feel, what the world says, what other words say more than what God's word says. And that's the reason. But you can get to a place where this is truth. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word will last forever. This is more sure than the ground that we stand on. This is, at once this earth is gone, these truths will still be here. You can stand on the word of God. You can trust it, but you're going to have to get tenacious. You're going to have to get into the word of God and find out what it says. Most people don't have this attitude we're talking about, and one of the reasons is because they don't know what God has done for them. You know, I heard all of these testimonies today, and people were just, they had never heard this. They never thought this. I, probably the biggest comment, the most common comment that we get from people out of, I mean, we get... 50,000 contacts a month just through our ministry and then a million and something on the website. And the most common statement is that I have learned more in a couple of months than I have learned in 20 years of going to church. I'm not against church. I am all for church, but I'm saying there's a lot of dead churches. There's a lot of churches that aren't teaching the Word of God and most people just don't know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8, verse 32. And people are in bondage because they don't know the truth. They think that, well, I'm only human and this is cancer. What can I do? You can resist it and it'll flee from you. If it's got a name, Jesus has been exalted above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. If it's got a name, if you can put a name to it, Jesus is above it. It's that simple. It's that simple. Renee Buller over here, raised from the dead over here in California. Where was it? Was it close to here? In Sonora, California. Sonora. Anyway, that's in the same state. <laughs> she was raised from the dead, was dead for quite a while. An awesome testimony. And we've seen so many miracles. Hannah, we were talking about Carly, her daughter basically raised up from her deathbed uh, eight, seven or eight years ago and just healthy and on and on we can go and all of the miracles that are happening. I'm telling you, it'll work for any person in here, but it's not gonna work by you begging God 
and saying, oh God, please move and this, and you spend 45 minutes telling him what the doctor says. You ought to spend 45 minutes telling the doctor what God said instead of the other way around. Bible says in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That says you have to say to the mountain. That's talking about your problem. Most people don't talk to the problem. They talk to God about the problem. Oh God, the doctor said this. Oh God, the banker said this. Oh God, my wife said this. And they begged God to do something. It's not up to God. God's already done his part. God has already put the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of every one of us. We're saying, oh God, stretch forth your hand and just touch this person. You're the hand of God. You're his hand. He's not gonna stretch forth his hand. You are his hand. If you don't go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, they won't get raised. It's not up to God whether people get healed. God's power is in us. It's up to us whether or not people get healed. Thank you for those few amens. Most people just won't accept that. You're saying it's my fault. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, amen. I'm saying that God is alive and well and God still wants to split the Red Sea today. God still wants to do miracles, but he has to have a Moses. He has to have somebody that'll stand up and take the rod and say, I've got power and I've got authority and I'm not gonna let the doctors dominate me, the banker dominate me or whatever. And you have to stand up and act like God has done something. Peter and John walked into the temple and they they saw this man lame from his mother's womb, lame for 38 years. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They said, such as I have. Did you know that would have gotten them kicked out of nearly every church in LA? (laughs) How dare you say that you have the healing? That's exactly what they said. They didn't even pray. They didn't even say, oh God, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing, but we know that you are all powerful. Would you please move? Would you please, pretty please touch this person if it be your will for Jesus' sake? No, they said, such as I have, give I unto thee. And they grabbed the man by the hand and lifted him up. That attitude will get you kicked out of Christianity today. And that's the exact reason that Christianity isn't having much of an impact is because they believe God can do anything, but he has done nothing. And we have to beg and plead. And if he won't answer your prayer, then get the church prayer chain together and put pressure on him. And just get, you know, enough people that eventually God's intimidated into doing it. I'm telling you, God wants to set you free. God wants to move. God wants every person in here to be free tonight. In your body, in your finances, in your emotions. And God has already done his part. He has released it. And he's placed his power inside of every member in the body of Christ. 
And if people aren't being healed, if people aren't being delivered and set free, it's not God who's not doing it. It's the body of Christ who's not doing what he's told us to do. We're praying and asking God for revival as if it was up to him where the revival comes. It's up to you where the revival comes. He said, these works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father, John 14, 12. You go out and start doing the works of Jesus. You raise somebody from the dead and you'll have all the revival that you can handle. I can guarantee it. I guarantee it. You'll see miracles. You start seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open. You start seeing the supernatural power of God. And I guarantee you, you won't have problems drawing a crowd. We're in our prayer closet asking God to move. If God could be confused, he'd be confused. He's probably praying it will move. <laughs> We're saying, oh God, move. And he's saying, your turn, you move. I put this power on the inside of you. Stir yourself up, resist the devil. Take your authority, condemn these words. Begin to start taking God's word. Most, you know, I'm saying this in love and I know that you're the cream of the crop. This is Friday night. This isn't your nod to God crowd. So you're the cream of the crop. But still, even among us, among the fanatics, most of the people in here don't know what the word says. I've had people come up to me by the hundreds and ask for something. I say, well, what scripture are you standing on? Well, I, I forget where it is. Is it in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Something about uh, by his stripes we are healed. Isn't that in there someplace? You aren't going to get healed with that kind of thing. You've you got to know the Word of God. You've got to get to where the Word of God is more real to you than any other word that you hear. And the sad fact is most of us spend much more time, much more time plugged into the world and listening to the words of unbelief than we do listening to the Word of God. What you don't know is killing you. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Brothers and sisters, we're dying physically, emotionally, financially because we don't know what the Word says or even if we know it, we just are timid and we are allowing these other words to come. We don't condemn them. You need to get to where you refuse to allow people to speak death over you and don't speak death over yourself. People walk up and say, how are you? And you say, oh man, how much time have you got for me to tell you about how I hurt? And you're sorry you asked because they just spew out every pain, every problem, everything that's going on. You're hung by your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and you're killing yourself by the words that you're speaking. The Bible says, again, I quoted that already, Mark 11, 23, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. You can either have what you say or you can say what you have. And most people are saying what they have, but you can create your future by speaking faith-filled words. You can command the power of God. You can say in the name of Jesus, I'm not poor anymore. In the name of Jesus, I am not bound by the economy of this world. 
I am not depressed and discouraged. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And that's what I've got. And you can get up and you can start speaking to yourself and you can talk yourself happy. You can talk yourself into being blessed. Amen. Thank you for that thunderous silence. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if I was God, I just, I don't know, I, I just wouldn't have very much patience. I don't have very much patience. Praise God, I'm not God. But he's done so much for us and we act as if he's done nothing. We are asking God to heal us. When he says, by his stripes, we were healed. Oh, I know that the word says that, but the doctor says I'm sick, so I'm asking God to heal me. You ought to condemn these words and you ought to stand on these words. And you ought to say, I am healed. People will say, but you look sick. I don't care what it looks like. This is what I believe. And as you think in your heart, that's the way that you'll be. And I know some of you think this is just not reality. It is reality. You're too late to tell me this doesn't work. I saw my son raised from the dead after being dead for five hours and no brain damage, no more than he had before. Praise God. I've seen God supply 32 million extra dollars in two and a half years during the Great Recession. And this is extra above our two million that we needed every month just to pay our bills. We had a 50% increase. I've already seen it work. When you can't do it, it's already working. I've already seen God overcome these things. I believe what I'm saying. I believe that we can do this, but I'm telling you tonight, whether you understand it or not, I've shared a key with you. And that is that you got to get violent. You got to get angry. You got to get to a place where I'm not just human and I am not going to just accept this. I'm going to resist the devil. And somebody says, but what if I resist and I die? Well, die resisting the devil. I'm just shocked at how people think. We've had people before say, I want to come to Bible school, but I'm living on the street. And I, I just don't have anything. I'm living on the street. And I told them, I said, we got streets in Colorado Springs. Come live on the street in Colorado Springs. I tell you what, if the, if the Lord told me to do something, I'd do it if it hair-lipped the devil. I just don't really care what, if God tells me to do something, I will do it. I'll die trying to do it. It's not a matter of whether or not I'll do it. God Almighty who runs the universe and has billions of people crying for his attention takes the time to talk to you individually and tell you something and then you debate whether or not you're going to do it? That defies logic. Man, if God tells me to do something, I'll just do it. I'll do it to the best of my ability. It might take me a while to figure out, all right, God, how do I do this? How do I go there? But I guarantee you it's not a question of will I'll do it. 
I've had people come up to me by the hundreds and God's telling me to go to Bible school, but, and then they tell me about their family, their finances, this, this, this. I had one person say, but I've got two dogs. I said, we have dogs in Colorado, amen. Some of you really love me for this, but I just finally told them, I said, kill them. I'm not against dogs. I love dogs. I've had dogs. I'm not a dog hater, but I'm saying that if something stood in my way, I'd just kill it. I'd do whatever I've got to do. I'd turn them loose, but if God speaks to me, I'm going to do it. I just don't follow this logic that, well, this is what I really want to do. This is what I believe God called me to do, but... Man, you just got your butt in the wrong place, amen. <laughs> you need to change. I know some of you are thinking, I'd never act like that. That's the reason I'm ministering this. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we just raised up a generation of Christian wimps that just, uh, you know, well, I know that the Bible says this, but the doctor said that. Well, who cares? Who gives a rip? Yeah. Amen. 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 I'm telling you, we've got more than what we're acting on. I just got to quit. I'm not through, but I'm going to quit. But if you've received what I've said, you know the right, right response to this? Every one of you have things in your life that you probably have been praying and asking God to do. And I'm telling you, God's already done it. God's already released the power. He gave you power over all sickness and over all disease, over all demons. He told you to resist the devil. You need to quit begging God as if you are nothing and have nothing and can do nothing. And you ought to start standing in who you are in Christ and start speaking to that mountain. And you need to stir yourself up and get angry. You need to get mad and say, I'm not going to live this way. I am not going to let the devil do this to me. Get up and fight. You know, I, it, I'm, I need to quit. Well, let me quit with this story that there was a time I was having real financial problems. I won't go into the whole thing, but anyway, it just reached an unbearable point. I went down to the church and I was praying and I got mad. I was screaming and yelling and kicking chairs, hitting the wall. I know some of you think, man, that's strange. But I was mad because I knew that this wasn't God that was doing this to me. And I got mad. And I was fighting and yelling and rebuking and I could spend a long time on this, but finally I just hit a point where boom, I knew it was done. And I went home to tell Jamie that man, our financial need is over. And before I could get it out of my mouth, she says, go back to the church. A man's gonna meet you there in five minutes and he's buying the car. That's what I was praying over. And you know, our whole thing, it broke and we received. And I thought to myself, why did I wait so long to get mad? Why did I tolerate stuff for so long? And I've learned that as long as you can tolerate something, you will. But when you get to the place that I've had all I'm gonna take, this is over. I'm either gonna die right here or I'm gonna get a victory, but I am not gonna live this way anymore. That's a breakthrough. Amen.
And when you do what you can do, when you resist with what you can resist with, God will supernaturally empower that. But God will not bear witness with passiveness, fear, depression. He will not flow through that. You go out and do what you can do and then you can see what God can do. But we need to take a step of faith. You need to speak to your problem. Amen? Amen. I want you to stand right now and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to pray a general prayer just rebuking the devil and praying for this kind of an attitude to come in you. But I want you specifically to apply what we're talking about and get angry at what it is that's holding you back. The things that are tormenting you, instead of begging God and acting as if you have not, I want you to get angry. And I want you to get mad and speak against those things. Don't speak at people. People are not our problem, but the devil. Speak against the demonic things that are coming against us. And if you'll begin to exert yourself like this, I guarantee you, you can see some breakthroughs tonight. I believe many of you are going to have a financial breakthrough. It may take a period of time for you to be able to see it, but it will begin right now. You may take a period of time for your body to recover, but the moment you get this attitude and you don't let it go to bed, you keep it stirred up and active, you'll start seeing healing coming to pass in your body. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So Father, we agree right now and we just thank you that you've already done your part. That Jesus bore our sickness, carried our disease, that you became poor so that we through poverty might be made rich. That you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That Father, we already have everything that you've done your part. And we first of all just say, Father, we're sorry for being so influenced by the world and being so passive and not having this attitude that the scriptures teach. And we, are, we know that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And so we just thank you for your mercy on us. And right now we take our authority and we speak against these things in our life. We come against you, Satan, and against all of these things. And we say that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are not going to allow these things to continue on. We aren't tolerating it any longer. We command the healing power of Jesus to flow in our bodies right now. And we speak to cancer. We speak to AIDS. We speak to heart disease, to sugar diabetes, to all kinds of things. We curse you. We condemn you and command you to get out of our bodies now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We aren't having this anymore in the name of Jesus. We refuse it. We refuse poverty. We refuse to be limited to what this economy does. We believe that you supply our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that we are blessed, that we have love, joy, and peace, and we refuse depression. We refuse fear. We refuse these things. Father, we just stand on what Jesus has done for us. Father, we're asking you to help our unbelief, help our fear that we've had all of these things. Father, teach us how to, what your word says. Teach us how to stand in the word, how to receive these things. 
Thank you, Jesus. I believe that the Word of God is going to find a home in people's hearts here tonight and that people will leave here and begin to start receiving what Jesus has done for us. Thank you, Father. We just thank you in advance for the miracles, for the changes that will take place. And we praise you right now that it is done. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.